Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Welcome in to the early line live right here on Sports Code on a Thursday morning. I am Kevin Walsh coming to you live from the Walsh headquarters, joined, of course, by Donnie Wright. Side, Donnie, how are you? Doing good today on a Thursday. What about this, Kevin? A big time NFL Thursday night football game, two major league playoff games, and off of last night's absolute stunner, which I thought was headed to extra innings, but not so fast with two outs. What a day to recap sports and look ahead to tonight in Major League Baseball and the NFL. As jam-packed a Thursday as I can remember, hour one will break it all down. Hour two loaded with preview. College football makes the cut as well. We'll start it off, though, with our seven and seven top headlines. And where else would you begin other than Dodger Stadium? The Dodgers keep their season alive. Chris Taylor. In the nine hole, because that's who the Dodgers are. Someone hitting in the nine hole. Pinch hitter, nevertheless. Chris Taylor comes up and a two-run shot. They keep their season alive. They'll face the Giants with a 3-1 victory over the St. Louis Cardinals, Donnie. Sensational stuff. And I know we talked about it yesterday on In Play Sports tonight, but I was really looking forward to a Dodgers victory. Not because I'm a Dodgers fan, not because I think the Dodgers win the World Series, but I wanted to see round two of the Giants and the Dodgers, which we are now going to get. But say what you want about the St. Louis Cardinals. Red hot coming into the playoffs. They gave it everything they had. Wainwright was sensational on the mound. Just not enough, but that's what the Dodgers do. They are as deep as any team in Major League Baseball. They were at home, and they won. Again, Dodgers, Giants, a couple of teams that won well over 100 games set to square off. It should be a treat. But as Donnie mentioned, now the AL really about to get rolling today. And it is up in the air as to whether or not Jose Abreu will be out there for the Chicago White Sox, Donnie. Yeah, it's, it'll be, I, I'm expecting him to be out there. And this is a very good lineup for the Chicago White Sox. If he's in, that's fantastic. If he's out, they have enough big-time bats to cover. But we've talked many times about the Chicago White Sox team. It seems like they fell off the face of the betting earth for me over the last 60 days because they already had the playoffs clinch and they weren't really playing for much. Now they're coming back. They should be intact. Good starting pitching, good bullpen, great hitters. But Jose Abreu, they need him in the lineup tonight. Clutch hitting, absolutely. Sign me up. Abreu was feeling ill over the weekend, tested negative for COVID, which is a good sign. Remains that game time decision. Obviously a crucial bat for the White Sox going up against the Houston Astros. One more piece of baseball headline news here. The Padres fire their manager, Tingler, which is really, really tough there, Donnie, because this is a team that thought they would be where the Giants are, and instead they're going to be making some big changes, it looks like, here over this offseason. Yep, no surprise here. When you have a team that underachieves, the first person to go is the manager. And we like to take a look at both coasts here, out on the West Coast and the East Coast. No surprise that San Diego moved on from their manager. Next up, possibly the New York Yankees moving on from their manager. Halfway through the summer, you're like, hey, look, Padres going to make a run at this thing. And they completely fell off the table. Tough schedule or no Mm -hmm. tough schedule. You can't have that big fall. And it's not even like Kevin say, hey, they finished three games back. They were close to 30 games back in the division. Unacceptable for that talent level. To finish 
under 500. Like, it, it, it went from a huge shift of, like, ooh, they can't compete with the Giants and the Dodgers to, they don't look very good. And, and they certainly did not look very good. We bring the radio audience into the fold. Appreciate all those listening to the early line on Sports Grid Radio. Kevin Walsh and Donnie Wrightside with you on a Thursday morning. How about the Chicago Bears naming a new QB1 in Justin Fields, Donnie? Yeah, it's, it's the right move here because it's time to get on with the future. But I do have to still get some chuckles out of the Bears front office slash coaching staff who told you repeatedly, Kevin, as mm. long as Andy Dalton is healthy, he will be my quarterback. Andy Dalton practiced in full, and immediately before that practice, it was announced Justin Fields was going to be the starting quarterback moving forward. So I don't know if it's smoke, smoke screens coming out of Chicago, what that means for the future. The one thing is true. The future is now. Justin Fields should be playing every day. But the signals that you're sending out to your players is completely opposite here. I don't know what's going on with the Bears, but it's certainly not good. Apparently, the bar Fields needed to clear was 200 passing yards against the Detroit <laughs> Lions. He's QB1 now. Another piece of NFL news here. The Carolina Panthers trade for Stephon Gilmore. We broke this news yesterday. Gilmore was released. Apparently not. The Pats sent him over to Carolina who are looking to remain competitive, Donnie, in the NFC. Yeah, it doesn't seem like a damaged good situation either, Kevin, because it seems like he is healthy and it was basically a contract dispute where he said, I need to make sure I take care of my body first and come into the season as healthy as, as I can be. Now, with the trade, you can't immediately come off the pup list, but you do have to wait. So week seven, they will have an all-pro cornerback added in. So just when you thought it was disaster for them, oh, my goodness, Christian McCaffrey is down mm. with an injury. J.C. Horn, our, very, our high draft pick, which we had high hopes for here in 2021, not a bad replacement to get one of the best quarterbacks in football on your team. Interesting things for the rest of the season were those Carolina Panthers now. Another piece of cornerback news, but this time in the world of college football, LSU star Derek Stingley out indefinitely after undergoing foot surgery. LSU, awful loss. This sounds to me, Donnie, like a team who's recognizing maybe their season is already over. Yeah, when you're going to be a top pick here in the NFL draft, it's time to take care of number one, and that is Stingley. So I would doubt he plays another game for LSU, and rightfully so. Make those millions, kid. Get into the NFL. Not good if you bet an LSU win total over, but <laughs> to be honest with you, they were toast anyway. Also, by the way, Trevor Ariza of the Lakers will be out for two months with an ankle injury. Coming back, we're talking Dodgers Cardinals. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Back right here on Sportsman. Let's talk a little NL wildcard recap here. As the Dodgers keep their season alive, 100 
in six games, this team won, and it all came down to a single-game elimination against baseball's hottest group in the St. Louis Cardinals, and the Cardinals gave them a run for their money. This thing was 1-1 in the bottom of the ninth until Chris Taylor hit a two-run homer to put the Dodgers through to the division series where they will face off against the San Francisco Giants here. Donnie, this was a game where... It feels like it really captures, I guess, who the Dodgers are. Their ace Scherzer doesn't have it. No problem. The usual suspects may be struggling a little bit in this game. Corey Seager hitless. Don't worry about it. Chris Taylor will pick up this bunch. And the Dodgers move on to the next round. Yeah, Dodgers move on to the next round. And they should. You, sh- you shouldn't win, you know, 100-plus games and not be able to advance or at least have a chance to play a three-game series, a five-game series, or a seven-game series. So I was happy they advanced because also I do want to see them play the San Francisco Giants. But let's take a look at this game, Kevin. Coming into it, we thought the better pitcher or the better pedigree pitcher here, the better big-game pitcher probably was going to be Max Scherzer. If the game doesn't start and say, hey, Kevin, check this out. Scherzer's going to go four and a third and throw 94 pitches and be yanked in this game. You would say the Dodgers are in deep trouble in this one. Now, if we just preface it by saying, look at the game before that. The New York Yankees and the Boston Red Sox in a one-game playoff in the wild card. It was clear Cole didn't have his best stuff. He couldn't hack it and, and got dumped out early. The one thing you will say about Scherzer is he didn't have his best stuff, but he battled. You know, 94 pitches here, only giving up the one-earned run. Basically, it was his fault throwing a ball into the dirt, which turned into a pass ball, and Edmund was able to score in the first inning. So the under 7.5 stuck around, but we said also, I love this Dodgers bullpen. They can match up. And when Scherzer was struggling and came out, you know what the fireman came in there and cleaned it up? That was Kelly. Two-thirds of an inning, 1K, got out of it. Huge strikeouts with runners in scoring position, which is another topic. In big-time baseball games, and you were taking a look at one of the best teams in baseball, Kevin, in the regular season at hitting with runners in scoring position, took a collar last night, 0 for 11. In close games that you got to win in one-game playoff series, like you saw last night, two or three of those hits with runners in scoring position, the Cardinals are moving on. But the bullpen was the true superstar last night for the Dodgers. And overall for the Dodgers, this is why they are baseball's best team, even though they didn't finish with baseball's best record, is there are no weak points of this team. Again, for Max Scherzer to not have it. And then it's also, what a bar, I guess, for Max Scherzer, right? But all in all, all he gave up was one earned run. And it did come on a pass ball. Maybe he would have worked out of that trouble in that opening inning if they were able to block that ball. For him to not have it, and then they just hand it over to this bullpen, and they constantly get the outs to keep this game level 1-1. And for Justin Turner to be able to catch one mistake by Wainwright, and it was Wainwright's really only mistake there, as he only gave up four hits and the one earned. It is five in the third innings pitched in this baseball game. And then again, this to me for, you know, this last, you know, half decade run or so for the L.A. Dodgers has always really jumped off the page. They just have anyone that can beat you from, you know, Mookie Betts to Cody Bellinger to Cody uh, or Corey Seager. And then but to Chris Taylor or Will Smith, whatever it might be, they always have someone that can step up to the plate here. And it happened once again On the Cardinals' side of things, though, Donnie, this is a spot where you want to sell Cardinals fans on, you got to be happy. You were in this spot. It looked like it'd be a nightmare season. You end up winning 90 baseball games. But all in all, 
this is one they had. And that 0 for 11 with runners in scoring position, especially the 0 for 3 that both Nolan Arenado and Tyler O'Neill wear as two of the premier hitters in this lineup, this is going to make it a real tough pill to swallow for the Cardinals. They had baseball's best team on the ropes. No, they certainly did. And sometimes you can take away the best teams that night don't always win. If you were watching this game inning by inning, it was just waiting for the Cardinals to cash in on some of these opportunities where you were just saying if you were a Dodger backer saying, hey, let's hold off and see if we can pull out something late and get lucky. And they did. You know, it would have been interesting too, Kevin. This game ended in the bottom of the ninth inning in unbelievable fashion. You know, when you're a kid, you dream about it in the backyard, you know, two outs, bottom of the ninth inning in a playoff game. Let me hit a two-run home run. Since stuff, but it would have been interesting if this game had gone into extra innings because we no longer would have that ghost runner on second base. It would have been a more traditional finish, and maybe Major League Baseball teams aren't used to that now because it's been two straight years with that ghost runner on second base, which I like being a team total or an overbacker during the regular season, and I see what it's there for. It's so games don't go 15, 16, and 17 innings. When you're looking at the game that the Dodgers and the Cardinals were playing, could we have seen last night a game going to one, two, three, four o'clock in the morning because mm-hmm. nobody wanted to lose this game with two good bullpens and not exactly a lot of hitting going on? That one would have been one to watch, but credit the Dodgers in epic fashion in L.A. where they film movies. Somebody's probably going to make a 30 for 30 out of this game alone because it was a sensational finish unless you back the Cardinals. But if you had the Dodgers, that was a pretty sweet victory. And the fact that the Dodgers also ended up covering a run line that they didn't cover Mm. until that ball from Taylor went over the fence was something else. Another betting note I wanted to make sure that I brought up here has to do with these strikeout props. We've now seen Garrett Cole, well under, pulled early. Max Scherzer, easy, under, pulled pretty early. The pitch count high. And even Adam Wainwright there, a gutsy decision by the Cardinals to leave him in when his spot was due up in the order. And we harped on that with National League pitchers, and he still only got over his four-and-a-half strikeout prop by the hook, getting to five. And yeah, I think he struck out like four consecutive batters, actually, to get there. It took kind of a big push from Wainwright there. The strikeout props are ones that I feel like I want to – you know, air on the side of caution for overs, but also it will be interesting, Donnie, if the temperature changes a little bit out of the single game elimination, now going over to the series format, not your big seven game series, but still probably a little bit of a feel to how maybe these managers will approach their starting pitchers. Yes, because you have to space out your bullpen in the series. And again, we're coming into the playoffs. You don't make the playoffs as a Bay of Baseball team. You have probably have a good starting rotation, a very good bullpen, and obviously a good lineup overall. But you are correct. In these one-game eliminations, if your pitcher doesn't have it, it's quick for the manager to notice he doesn't have it and not ride out the storm saying, hey, maybe we could come back in the later innings, and I don't want to burn my bullpen in game one of a seven-game series. That does change, but there still are – quicker hooks, as I like to say, in postseason play generally than in the regular season, Mm -hmm. because you're looking at 162 games. And again, it builds off 
getting rid of the bullpen and burning your bullpen when maybe you don't need to do that. So Max Scherzer doesn't have his stuff. I guarantee you he doesn't go four and a third. He probably goes at least six innings and throws 115 pitches because that's what you do. But in the playoffs, you need to recognize as a manager, even when your aces don't have their top stuff, move on to a bullpen. Because if you have a good one, like the Dodgers do, they used it to perfection last night. And that's why they picked up a win. But great point by you. Heading into these five and seven game series is you should have a more even shot at hitting those strikeout props to the over because pitchers leashes will be a little bit longer Dodgers again set to face the Giants the series price has the LA Dodgers as a minus 146 favorite a plus 124 price on the Giants we also have the game one lines available to Donnie minus 132 on Walker Bueller and the Dodgers again they're the road team in this series anything about those early prices surprising or stand out to you at all no, it's not surprising at all. And I mean, the, the Giants were the better team all summer long. Why? They won the division and held off the Dodgers. So the fact that the Giants have the home field advantage and are still the dogs just shows you the pricing PowerPoint of the Dodgers, where it's one of those teams that you say, boy, it's hard to bet against the Dodgers. But the Giants held off the Dodgers all year. We'll see if they can do it one more time. Also, the total of that game, a seven. Yesterday's total, seven and a half, felt real mm. low. Not low enough. And we got a push in that game with the Red Sox and the Yankees and early betters probably got those eight and a halfs out there. Talked about a lot on this show. Postseason baseball and the under. We'll see if that holds true to today's matchups. We'll break those down in hour two. Thursday night football up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Back right here on the early line. Kevin Walsh, Donnie Rideside with you. Let's talk a little Thursday night football. Rams, Seahawks set a primer up here uh, as you've got the L.A. Rams going to Seattle, Donnie, as two-and-a-half-point favorites, a total of 54-and-a-half. And to kind of set the deck here with a couple of against-the-spread trends that I thought kind of really captured why this game might be difficult for people to pick because I see the Rams – a team that I think is really good. I, I still might tell you that they're the best team the NFC has to offer. Coming off of a loss, and that's a team that I would probably want to bet on. And you go through Sean McVay's career. When he is on the road, off a loss, he is 8-2 and two against the spread. The tough thing, though, for McVay is he's going up against the Seattle Seahawks. And Russell Wilson, in his career as a home underdog, is 8-2. and two against the spread so donna you have dueling trends that make all the yeah. sense in the world to me that hit at about an 80 percent clip this is a real difficult game to pick here ram seahawks 
No, it's a great game, too. And usually, Kevin, on Thursday Night Football, we don't get the marquee matchups, but we love anything football, so we'll watch any teams that go out there. This is a great one here and probably the best overall division in football, which now looks like Arizona could be the best team in this division. The one thing you can't handle here, if you are a Rams backer, if you'd like them for the season, getting the top pick or getting, excuse me, the top spot in the playoffs or just actually winning the division. You can't lose back-to-back games here, which they might be on the ropes for. Now, look at the line movement here at the FanDuel Sportsbook. Opened up at a minus one, now sits at two and a half with a little bit of juice. So maybe we're heading to that three marker. This game is a pretty simple handicap for me. Do I think there's going to be points? Yes. It's a Thursday football game. You don't have the best game planning tactics here on a Thursday than you do for Sunday because you have a couple extra days to digest. You have a couple extra days to get guys healthy and install your game plan. So, Really, for the Rams traveling up to Seattle, a couple walkthroughs during the week, and okay, go out there against one of your most fierce rivals and get after it. So I do lean slightly towards the under, but having said that, when you look at his team by team here, San Francisco last week didn't look all that much. And again, San Francisco in 2021 has not played the way I thought they would play. But then again, when you're banged up and injured at the running back position, which is such a key to your team, I thought Seattle was able to hang around in this football game, you know, rookie, a quarterback. All right, let's go ahead and turn on the afterburners and win this game, which they did. Now, when you come into this week against the Rams, it's a different animal. You have a good defense on every level from linebackers to frontline defensemen, obviously being Aaron Donald in the back end with Jalen Ramsey. But looking at this game overall, Kevin, I'm worried about one position here. And typically the running back position doesn't factor in to a whole heck of a lot of things I like to cap as opposed to, hey, Carolina Panthers don't have Christian McCaffrey. That's really going to hurt their offense. But if Chris Carson, who is a game time decision here, Kevin, does not play, that leaves it all on Russell Wilson's shoulder, which not necessarily is a bad thing because when they let Russ cook in Seattle, he's a very good quarterback, one of the best of all time to do it. Surefire Hall of Famer. But I love that ground and pound mindset that they have where if that pass rush is coming a little bit too heavy, you can lean on Chris Carson. You're going to buy the play fakes a little bit more if Chris Carson is in the game. If he's not in the game, if you're looking from a DFS perspective, probably looking more to the wide receivers and Russ having a good day passing. But if Chris Carson is not fully healthy for this game, Kevin, I don't know if I can back Seattle. And this is coming from a guy that says home team or no team on Thursday nights. Starting to change my philosophy a little bit over the past couple weeks where it looks like there's some advantageous opportunities to take the road teams. And it's not a huge travel situation either, like Rams going from Los Angeles to New York to play on a Thursday night. Basically going up the coast, same time zone. I think they'll put in an honest effort tonight. And Sean McVay also said, it's kind of nice when you lose a game to get right back on the football field and don't have that bad taste in your mouth for an entire week. I think the Rams come to play tonight. I think they get the victory here. You know, it's funny, Donnie, just the thinking about off the top of my head, even the, the home team or, or, or no team moniker. I believe we have road teams checking in at 4-0 against the number yeah. Thursday night football to start the season, right? Dallas covers, Jacksonville covers, the Giants cover, and the Panthers mm-hmm. cover. So we're 4-0 against the number right now for these road yeah. teams, which is interesting. Small sample size, certainly, but definitely could be something to consider here in the spot. The Seahawks are a team, you know, the team totals are, are of course, listed right now. And sometimes they don't always um, equal up exactly to maybe where the side and the total are. Like, that Seattle 27 number, again, maybe that is a strong play to the under. We, we saw Seattle play a bang under uh, against both the Niners and the Minnesota Vikings, which were quite surprising there. I know for a lot of people, they thought that those games could be a little bit more explosive. The Rams have actually had both of their last two games get to the over through the back door. And in fact, 
this has now happened in nearly every single Rams game where it was the late touchdown against the Bears that pushed that game over. It was kind of automatically getting over when they played the Indianapolis Colts because it was uh, 24 all and they had to basically kind of get the points. But still, it was the late field goal that got that over. And then the Bucs backdoored the total. And then the Rams last week backdoored the total against the Arizona Cardinals. So again, Donnie, like we talk about it, Ooh, look at these offenses. There should be a lot of points. 54 and a half is a huge number. There could be a lot of points, and this game stay under the total. I think the other interesting thing, though, is we kind of talk about this Thursday night situation here for the Rams, obviously. Just, you know, first short week for Stafford and McVay as a one-two punch and kind of what that approach looks like here. I Again, different team, different ball club, no doubt. Remember the, the playoff game last year, Donnie, where Cam Akers lit this Seahawks defense up yes. for 130 on the ground? It wouldn't surprise me if we saw a heavy dose of Henderson in this game if the Rams try to slow this game down a little bit here uh, in that perspective. And, and just to you know, talk about you know some early props here, looking even at the quarterback position, that Matthew Stafford passing number of 303 and a half. He's not gotten to 300 yards in two of the four games he's played this year. I don't know if this is a game that Stafford is throwing it all over the field going into Seattle. Yeah, I, I, I do think they're probably going to open it up a little bit because I do think that Seattle defense is susceptible to the big play here. And also you have a great play caller in Sean McVay, great quarterback in Stafford. They're looking to get back on the right side, as we like to say, in this football game. There are a couple things that I do think are interesting, and I'm always enamored when we get to the match specials and try to have some fun with those because, yeah. you know, I usually like the – Quarterback to throw, one touchdown pass in the first, one in the second, and you double it up. Gives you a nice price, anywhere between like plus 400 to plus 500. But I think if I just isolate it to just one quarterback here, Matthew Stafford, one passing touchdown in the first half, one passing touchdown in the second half under the match, match special section, that is plus money. That is legitimately doable here. That's not a, hey, he needs to have a great game, Kevin, to do this. No. Over the first two quarters, one, and over the final three, two quarters, one more. I think that's certainly a doable one to look at. And also – Taking a look at Russell Wilson in this game. If Chris Carson is down, how are they going to score the touchdowns here inside the red zone when normally Chris Carson would hammer those in? You would look more to the passing. So I haven't bet this one yet because I want to see if Chris Carson is officially in or out of this game and what his status is because he could play and then you get word leaking out from the beat writers, hey, He's only going to be in a couple packages here. He's basically an emergency running back, but they needed to activate him just for numbers. Take a look at Russell Wilson, over one and a half touchdown passes. It is juicy here at minus 154. I think he can throw for two, particularly if Carson is not in and you're inside the five-yard line where your hammer is not able to just punch those touchdowns in. Maybe Russell Wilson rolls out of the mm -hmm. pocket, finds DK Metcalf, finds Tyler Lockett, does some damage with his arm here. I think Russell Wilson can throw, can throw the two touchdown passes in this game also. And for context on it, right, yeah, minus 150-ish range might be a little bit pricey due to your typical wagers, but that is not pricey. Can you consider Russell Wilson's typical numbers of over one and a half touchdown passes? In fact, this is a guy that we've seen regularly booked at over uh, under two and a half touchdown passes. And the one and a halfs are usually minus 180, minus 190 range. So that's not a bad look there at all. And going through some of the match specials markets, which has really become uh, one of both Donnie and I's favorite markets to look at, specifically match specials one, which really keeps things kind of within that striking distance there. Stafford and Russ to combine for 500 plus passing yards and four plus passing touchdowns there. 
maybe on the surface that might sound like a lot, but you talk about 250 passing yards for each of these quarterbacks and two touchdowns for each of these quarterbacks there. That is a minus 110 price. And I love the fact that one of the, the quarterbacks here could carry the load. Nobody, I don't think, would be surprised one of them was able to get to three passing touchdowns if one of them was able to get to 300 passing yards in this football game. And another match special that I wanted to bring up, Donnie, was the combined skill player touchdown prop. It's locked right Uh, now because of the uncertainty around Chris Carson. But if Carson is a go, Daryl Henderson, Chris Carson, Cooper Cup, and Metcalf to combine – for four-plus touchdowns, looks like it'll be at around the plus-250 price. Now, that Mm. is interesting. Metcalf, Cup, always in the end zone. And the two starting backs at about a plus-250 price, that would be enticing if Carson is a go. Now, what if I would tell you that they moved that to an odds boost, Kevin, and it now was up from 260 to a plus-320 price for that same bet now. But you are correct. Chris Carson is a big deal in this one. If he plays and he's healthy, you match all four of those guys together in a game that's 54 and a half at that price. Look at FanDuel. Maybe they listened in, Kevin. Maybe they said, you know what? These guys really like these touchdown combined props. We're going to give them a special one for Thursday night because they are so much fun to cheer on, and it's legitimate. They are giving you four legitimate players here to combine for four touchdowns. So if Cooper Cup gets three of them and Henderson gets one, you cash it. They don't all need a touchdown. You just need four combined. These are so much fun to cheer on. We'll see if Carson is healthy. We'll see if that odds boost stays up, but that's a nice price. I see. So not locked because of the injury, locked because they're saying, hey, go shop over in aisle seven. We've got a better price for you on that deal there. Plus 320 is a nice one. We'll talk more Thursday night football in hour number two. I have a Russell Wilson prop that you are absolutely going to love. We will get there. But we go to hot or not, Justin Fields, QB1. Is that the right move? We'll talk about that and more next sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest but let me play devil's advocate here let's see so no that's a good thing uh <laughs> That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. All right, we are back right here on... Let's do a little hot or not. Let's start things off with the Chicago Bears naming Justin Fields QB1. Andy Dalton can't catch himself a break. Now, Donnie, the question, of course, though, is did the Chicago Bears make the right move naming Justin Fields the starter? 
Yeah, it's absolutely hot they did. This, this is no longer like the 1990s where you draft Steve Ayer McNair at Alcorn State and sit him like five years because Jeff Fisher said he's not ready to be an NFL quarterback or even drafting Carson Palmer at a USC and sitting him a year before he's ready to take the reins as a top draft pick. You can't do that anymore. The fans won't allow you to do it. And also, the only way that you would be successful in holding off a high-end draft pick is either A, if the team is horrendously bad and you're afraid he's going to get injured, or B, the team is actually good and it's a luxury, a la Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. They had to make the move now, but the thing that I question even more, because it is hot, he should be the starter for the Chicago Bears. I'll tell you what's not hot is Matt Nagy being the head football coach, no longer calling plays and telling you and saying, look, this is my team here. Andy Dalton, as long as he's healthy, is going to be my starter. And it took for Andy Dalton to get healthy now to not be the starter. Andy Dalton's probably got the best of both worlds right now. No more pressure on him here. Nobody wanted to see him be the starting quarterback, but the check still clears every Tuesday for a large cash amount. So maybe he would move on from the Chicago Bears and try to find his way around the NFL next year to become a starter on a middling team. That could be possible. But the one thing is clear here. You have a young quarterback on a team that needs to find out if he can be the franchise guy. I love the fact that he's starting now. I just hope they protect him like they did in the last football game versus the Lions. But Kevin, not every team is the Lions defense, which we're going to find out here how good a quarterback mm. right away. Justin Fields is particularly going on the road again. And last time I checked, he went on the road in Cleveland. Didn't work out so well. It certainly did not. And that is why I have my reservations about how hot this decision actually is from the Chicago Bears. Because I am someone who believes when you make this move to the rookie quarterback, you've now made the move. I don't have time for you to bench him and bring Andy Dalton back out of that tunnel or Nick Foles. And I look at the schedule, Donnie. At Vegas, home versus the Packers. At the Bucks, home versus the Niners. At the Steelers on Monday Night Football. Aaron, they're not going to be favorites the next five games here, and then they're going to hit a bye week. And it wouldn't surprise me one bit if Matt Nagy goes, you know, we might need to reevaluate some things as we oh. sit here at three and six. Maybe we didn't, you know, give Andy Dalton enough swing around there. And that's why I'm hesitant about just how hot this truly is. Because, Donnie, it wouldn't surprise me if they went back to Dalton. See, it's hot to me that they should name Fields the starter and stick with him. But I don't know if that's what they're going to do, Donnie. And there's there's no leeway now. If you try to, like I say, Kevin, thread the needle on the season for the Bears, which means Matt Nagy handled the quarterback's situation correctly and earned himself another year in Chicago. This is probably the worst-case effort because what you were probably hoping for was what, Kevin? The Bears would be somewhat competitive with Andy Dalton. And then after the bye week when the young rookie's been around the NFL for a couple months, he's ready to take the reins and not win football games but show competence and say, hey, look, I did this quarterback thing a service by having Andy Dalton here. I promised he would be the starting quarterback, but we finally worked in Justin Fields. Now it's his team. You need to give me the reins with Justin Fields for the next three to five years in Chicago so I can prove myself. But from what you're alluding to, this could be a disaster situation because it seems like it was forced because Andy Dalton got hurt. 
hey, everybody's happy. We can't wait to see him start. Now, wait a second. One of the worst quarterback performances you might see over the past decade outside of what the Nathan Peterman, every time I drop back to pass, I throw an interception game for the Chargers or against the Chargers. But now looking back on this season, you're right. It's a tough schedule. And at that bye week, if everything is going south and Justin Fields is out there, you know, his progress is stagnant because he's going against good football teams and now picking up bad habits. If you go back to Andy Dalton, does that mean Nagy should be removed from his position right away? You made your bed right now, Chicago Bears, and Matt Nagy, and you have to lay in it. You certainly do. We also saw yesterday Stephon Gilmore get released and then get traded. Well, that shouldn't happen, but it did. And he's now on the Carolina Panthers. And the most interesting thing to me is that we are seeing this Panthers team believe they believe that they can make the playoffs. They've been doing this even when they lost J.C. Horn and made a trade with the Jaguars to bring over C.J. Henderson, Donnie. Well, are they right? Hot or not, the Carolina Panthers will make the playoffs after their trade for Stephon Gilmore. First thing I looked at this when I saw that was like, ah, probably not. But let me go over the schedule because, you know, Kevin, we have this nice little running joke that says as soon as we go over the schedules, there's absolutely no shot they can win another game for the rest of the schedule, even though they're three and one. Not so fast mm -hmm. here on the Carolina Panthers schedule. They Easy already have one. three wins. Let's just go like the Eagles. They're going to be favored. They should win that game. That's four wins. The Vikings at home, good football team, but they have them at home. That could be five. The Giants on the road, a bad football team. That could be six. The Falcons on the road, a bad football team. That could be seven and one before facing the Patriots. Oh, no. Tom Brady and the Patriots. No, no, it's not Tom Brady and the Patriots. It's the <laughs> one in three Patriots after four games that you have at home. So when you're starting to line these up, and if you look at some of the games that they can win, and maybe just losing the 50-50 games, Kevin, I'm coming up with 10 wins here for the Panthers, which will be good enough to get into the NFL playoffs. So when I see the plus 146, if they can stay healthy, we could say that about every single football team here, but if they stay healthy, they're good enough to get to the 10-win marker. Yes, I'm going with the hot at plus 146. When I initially looked at that, I'm like, eh, there's no shots, Carolina. But the schedule mm -hmm. actually seems like, Kevin, it's in their favor. You know, it is funny because, of course, you do the same schedule, break it down. And I was like, wait, hold on. Now who put this Panthers schedule together? I mean, there's yeah. a lot of teams out there that would, I would absolutely kill for a schedule like this. I still have to land on the side of mine. I still can't fully buy in to Sam Darnold because even in spots where they're favored, like this week, I'm not sure they're going to pull out the correct result. And even if you go through your division winners, right, the favorite outcomes right now are the Bucks, the Packers, the Cowboys, and the NFC West, whatever. But the Panthers then are going to have to get in front of one of those NFC West teams. That very well could send the entire division to the playoffs there. I will say the Panthers' win total is eight and a half. That's a legitimate play to the over because I do think nine yeah. and eight or even a 10 and seven could miss the playoffs this year. It's possible. I think they're certainly going to have to get over that eight and a half marker there, minus 110 to the over. I don't think that is a bad look there on that Carolina team. Let's hold over to the weekly specials market. We've now been doing this each and every week here on a Thursday, and it's been really, really fun. And also, there's been a real opportunity to make some money here. At some point, this is one of those deals where you talk about it, big plus price. God, I've got to bet it. We're leaving money on the table here. Donnie, I'll tell you that much. Now, the Dallas Cowboys check in here 
against the New York Giants as the second choice on the board to be the highest scoring team in week five, 10 to one, hot or not, the Cowboys will be the highest scoring team in week five. I do think Dallas is going to score points and a 10 to one price should be fantastic for a team that looks forward to scoring points. Maybe checking in on Amari Cooper later in the week to see if how that hamstring injury is healing up. That could be a big determining factor if the Dallas Cowboys can take down that 10 to one price. But I'm shifting it a little bit lower because I'm trying to target. It makes me feel like it's baseball season all over again in the summer saying, who's got a bad defense? Who's got an offense that might be able to move the football? And what sort of totals are we looking at for these games and also weather conditions? You know, when I slide that marker down, Kansas City looks good. Dallas looks good. Tampa's always legitimate. The Arizona Cardinals. And then just behind the Arizona Cardinals sit the Minnesota Vikings. Wait a second, Pat. You got to be kidding me. See the Vikings last week, seven points. This could be the dumbest bet of all time. There is no better feeling for your football team when you struggle on offense to look down the path and say, the Detroit Lions, welcome home. I can't wait to play you guys. If Dalvin Cook gets to the starting gate healthy this week, both wide receivers come to play. Kirk Cousins goes back to his fashion where in the first few games of the season, averaging 318 yards. And the fact that we know Detroit will never give up. So you need to keep scoring on them right through to the fourth quarter. How about a nice 12 to one price here on the Minnesota Vikings for me being the highest scoring team of the week. So the Dallas Cowboys, I think will score. It could be hot. I'm going to go with a not right there on that one. I'm not mad at that Minnesota Vikings. Look, I land not on Dallas as well, though. I think that game with the giants can certainly be high scoring. We've talked about it before. Sometimes the easy answer is just the favorite. Look, if you call nine to one chalk, I mean, and so be it. But that's what the Kansas City Chiefs are. I'll say this yeah. though: if you believe in Buffalo this week, sixteen to one on the Bills, I almost feel like they have to be the highest scoring team of the week, Donnie, if they are going to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. Sixteen to one is a legitimate shout there on Buffalo. Again, if you think they win that game, I do not. But I know other people certainly see it differently. Now, the lowest scoring team last week had the favorites as the Houston Texans at plus 750, and they were shut out. The week before, it was the Jets went to Denver as the favorites, and they were shut out. If you just bet the favorite in the lowest scoring team market, it seems that easy. So, Donnie, hot or not, the Houston Texans at plus 700 will be the lowest scoring team in week five. Like, I don't know how you go against it, but just for the fun of the show here, as opposed to just saying this is a slam dunk victory, which it could might, it might well be, a seven to one price. Like if I'm at the FanDuel Sportsbook, I'm going to let in a little bit of a secret here. You price the Texans at plus 100 every week to be the lowest scoring team. You're still going to get a lot of bites here. So the fact that there's seven to one is incredible because it's not so much about scoring points. It's about even getting first downs for the Texans. But I like to try to say, you know what? Let's go for an even deeper shot this weekend. So as you scroll down, a little bit disrespectful, the Philadelphia Eagles, they're sitting in what? Fifth place at a 16-1 to price to be the lowest scoring team of the week. Maybe the guys in the risk room missed that one a little bit. But keep going down and sliding the needle lower. How about this one, Kevin? Sitting at an 18-1. to Who are we talking about? Oh, yeah, the Pittsburgh Steelers and Ben Roethlisberger, who out has a pectoral injury and a hip injury, so he is just going to be a building standing back there that can't get out of the way of anything in order to help his team move the football down the field. Now, also keep in mind, the Denver Broncos have a very good defense. 
the Denver Broncos, not sure who's going to be a quarterback, Drew Luck or a banged-up, concussion-prone Teddy Bridgewater right now. So if I see a lower-scoring game in this one, the one team that I don't want to back on offense would be the Pittsburgh Steelers, the non-explosive Pittsburgh Steelers. So an 18-to-1 price for the Steelers to probably come up in the low teens, sign me up for that one here. But I got to say, 7-to-1 is like a cheat code here on the Houston Texans to get them with the lowest-scoring team of the week. I appreciate Donnie giving people other options, though I worry it will get them away from the option. 11 for 21, 87 yards, no touchdowns, four interceptions for Davis Mills against the Buffalo Bills with extra prep time coming off of Thursday night football. He is not a real quarterback. This man was picked in the third round. You are supposed to have some type of competency if you are a third-round quarterback here. This Texans team, in true last-year Jaguars fashion, 1-0 to 1-15, this Texans team look like they will be the worst I have ever seen. Just keep betting them to be the lowest-scoring team. We'll take a break. we come back. PGA odds. sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest but let me play devil's advocate here let's see so no that's a good thing uh <laughs> That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. All right, quick little segment here before we hit hour number two. Absolutely loaded. We'll have previews for both baseball games today, a couple of college football games as well. I think there's going to be points, and we'll talk some more Thursday night football. But we've also got the opportunity to get in on a PGA Tour odds boost here, courtesy of the FanDuel Sportsbook, Donnie Brooks Kapka and Victor Hovland to finish in the top 30 at the Shriners 2021, checking in at a plus 240 price. Yeah, I think I like this here. Now, the only struggle, I guess, if there was a struggle, they're giving you two really good golfers here, Victor Hovland and Brooks Kepka, to finish in the top 30. Not top 20, not top 15, not top 10, not both of these guys. One of them has to win the tournament. They basically just have to be competitive, which is two really good golfers to be competitive. Shouldn't be that bad. My only question on this one, if I did have one, is the layoff from the Ryder Cup. Both of these guys participated in that. Are they as focused? Did they take a little bit of time off? Are they going to be as sharp as we need to be? But I do think there is some leeway in here, Kevin, because when you're taking a look at two, again, really good golfers, they just have to basically play their average to get into the top 30. Would be nice here if they got out quickly in this tournament, you know, top 10 after day one, top 15 after day two, and you could sort of ride that out with a chance to actually win it, but also be competitive enough to stay within the top 30. I think it is a fair price boosted from plus 190 up to plus 240. Seems like something I want to participate in here with our FanDuel odds boost. Not the cut props that we love, but this one might be pretty solid here for us. 
Yeah, I like that it keeps you involved or uh, all four days of the tournament there. And by the way, these are the two favorites for the tournament. As Donnie said, they didn't, you know, pick Joe Schmo and Larry here. This is, you know, uh, t- joint favorites to win the Shiners and Brooks Gepka and Victor Hovland. In the mix, you would expect the length of it. And again, it could actually be one that is sweat-free. I'm sure Donnie will raise the bat signal to the golf conglomerate here at Sportsford, yes. and we'll look for double confirmation on how much we like this. They will spot out the Sergio Garcia trap last week. Let's hope it's legitimate. Let's cash a plus 240 price. Keep it right here on Sports Grid. The early line continues. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 